Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Charger Football Podcast hosted by Andy Dietrich with Coach Doug Dynam. And this week's special guest is senior running back Rhett Saylor. The Charger Football Podcast is sponsored by OPS, Optimum Performance Sports, the official sports medicine provider for Carroll High School. Welcome to episode number eight of the 2018 Charger Football Podcast season. My name is Andy Dietrich, and when I'm not working in some capacity for the Carroll High School Athletic Department, I'm a Curriculum Instruction and Technology Integration Coordinator for Northwest Allen County Schools. Later in this podcast, you'll hear from head coach Doug Dynan and senior running back Rhett Saylor. I want to thank SummitCitySports.com for the use of their audio clips, and I especially want to thank our sponsor, Optimum Performance Sports, the official sports medicine provider for Carroll High School Athletics. OPS, rethink your limits. Week 7 in the Summit Athletic Conference is designated as Rivalry Week, and that means the annual meeting against our rivals to the Southwest, the Homestead Spartans. In the last 10 meetings between the two schools, each has won five times, breathing new life into the rivalry. This year's game was played on the artificial turf of Homestead's Dave S. Walter Memorial Stadium on an unseasonably cool and windy evening. Unfortunately, the Chargers were overwhelmed by the senior night-inspired Spartans and succumbed to Homestead 38-17 to fall to 3-4 on the season, whereas the Spartans improved to 4-3. For the first time this year, the potent Carroll offense was controlled by an opponent as Homestead charged to a 24-3 halftime lead. However, the first half did contain this week's OPS optimum performance of the game provided by SummitCitySports.com when quarterback Gavin Vogt hit blocking back Terrell Griffin in the flat for an eight-yard gain on fourth and one to extend a drive. Here's SummitCitySports.com's Jim Miso with the call. 4.18 to go, first half. Do you play field position or do you go for it here? I don't see Trevor Horton out there. They're going to go. Line the gate of the Homestead 49. This may be the game right here. 7-2-3 Homestead. Two runners in the backfield again. Full play action. He's got a man and got the first down. What a catch at the 42-yard line. How about that? What a catch there. And it was one of... A defensive end for Carroll. That was Griffin. How about that? Terrell Griffin makes a play offensively for the Carroll Chargers. Boy, they needed that first down. The drive would later stall, and the Chargers could muster just three first-half points. The second half would get off to a terrible start as Homestead scored on a 77-yard touchdown run on their very first play from scrimmage to extend their lead to 31-3. The Chargers maintained a never-say-die attitude and started the beginnings of a potential comeback when Vote hit wide receiver Camden Childers in the back of the end zone with just under five minutes to play in the third quarter to get Carroll to within three scores. Coming down to five minutes to play in the third quarter. Second and goal for the nine. High snap. Holt throws, back corner of the end zone, jump ball, give that man six points, what a catch, what a catch, Camden Childers 
Trotters is good. Five yard touchdown pass. And Carroll gets on the board and cuts the Homestead lead to three scores. 4.57 to go in this third quarter. The next two times the Chargers had the football, they were able to drive into Spartan territory, but they committed a turnover each time to miss out on the opportunity to get within seven points and make it a whole new ball game. Homestead would score their final touchdown on a 40-yard TD pass following the second Charger turnover, but Carroll responded with a 16-yard TD pass from Vote to Leighton Mitchell to make the final score 38-17. to First down for the 15th, over the end zone. Oh, give that man six points. What a catch in the corner of the end zone. Great catch by Leighton Mitchell. With 2-11 to go in the ball game. Carroll showing some pride there despite the lopsided score. A 16-yard touchdown pass with uh, 2-11 to go. Volt to Mitchell. The early deficit forced the Chargers to air it out, and Vote finished with a career high in both attempts and completions as he went 34 of 52 for 284 yards with two TD passes and one interception. Gavin is now the state's sixth-ranked passer with 1,767 yards. Wide receiver Nathan Hara caught 11 passes for 88 yards, Childers caught 10 balls for 81 yards and a TD, and fellow wide receiver Leighton Mitchell caught five passes for 57 yards and a touchdown. Childers now has 10 touchdowns for the season and is the state's sixth best receiver with 798 receiving yards. On defense, defensive end Terrell Griffin had two sacks, giving him eight for the season and thus making him the eighth best in the state at sacking the quarterback. Defensive back Lincoln Lance had a team-high nine tackles, and fellow defensive backs Colin Beeks and Ray Vollmer each had five tackles. The Chargers' upcoming game features the Concordia Cadets visiting the Dean Gorsuch Athletic Complex on senior night, with this being the last home game of the regular season. And now, let's hear from Charger head football coach Doug Dynan and what he has to say about the Homestead game and our game coming up against the Cadets. Well, welcome, Coach Dynan. Welcome to Week 8. Well, thanks very much, Andy. I tell you what, you know, you, you mentioned that it's Week 8 and the, the season flies by. Uh, before we know it, we'll turn around next week. It'll be the, the, the sectional pairing show. You know, that'll be on next Sunday night. Um, the season goes by quick, and, you know, it's something we talk about with our seniors all the time that, you know, their senior year is going to fly by and, you know, time doesn't stop, halt or pause for anyone or any reason. And uh, we've got to cherish that time that we have. Well, let's talk about our week seven game against our rival Homestead. Uh, kind of got off to a bad start and was never able to get over the hump on a surprisingly chilly and windy night. So give us your thoughts on that game and then we'll move into our week eight opponent, Concordia. Well, without question, Homestead, you know, outplayed us in all phases of the game. You know, especially the first half, we were very ineffective offensively, uh, didn't move the ball, you know, went went three and out on a couple of, you know, early drives, and you know, which is uncharacteristic. And, you know, that and again, that's a, that's a testament to their defense and how they played. And, 
you know, their, their reaction to our offensive scheme and, and making those stops, you know, but it wasn't without, you know, effort. And that's, that's the, the positive thing that you take away. It wasn't without, you know, the, the kids trying hard and, you know, the kids understanding and trying to play fast and, and all of those things. And, you know, and the same thing on the defensive side, you know, they, they exploited some things, you know, they exploited some, some quick passing game, you know, giving up some, you know, some, some cushion in the flats and, you know, whatever, whatever those things were that they saw that there was weakness too. you know, our, our kids need to be able to respond better, be able to respond with fire, be able to respond with intensity within the game. And, and that's all we're asking for them as we move on. First half was actually the first time this season where our offense couldn't move the ball. But in the second half, they got things going, scored a couple of touchdowns, had a couple of other good drives that ended with turnovers. But, you know, there must have been some good adjustments made in, in halftime. What kind of adjustments did you guys make in halftime offensively? Well, we talked about the coverages that we were seeing. We're, you know, we continually talk about, you know, our scheme and, and what's going to provide us with that opportunity you know, versus the defense that we're seeing, you know, always we're looking at, you know, the iPad and the recording that, that we have from our, you know, on field and end zone, you know, views. And we, we look at those continually on the sidelines as well, you know, so it's always an adjustment as to, you know, what do we see, you know, from the opponent and this is both sides of the ball. What do we see from our opponent? You know, what are they doing? How can we counteract? What do we do well? What do we need to improve on, you know, and how can, you know, we utilize our strengths to to be more more effective, more successful in, in that half of football? The first half, we got down so much so quickly that we really couldn't afford to run the ball anymore, even though Rhett was pretty effective in spots. He only carried the ball probably five or six times for the whole game. But he really had to start throwing it. And Gavin Vote had 52 attempts, which is – Obviously, the most for him, and I, I can't tell you off the top of my head what the most is for, for one of our quarterbacks, but obviously you don't want to sling it that many times a game. And it just it kind of makes you too one-dimensional, a little bit too easy to defend. Yeah, 52 attempts are, are you know, very high for any high school football game, and, and that's not our game. You know, we want to be balanced. You know, we want to run the ball. We want to throw the ball in an equal amount. And as you said, you get into situations where, where you have to be able to throw it. You're getting pressure. You know, we weren't handling the line of scrimmage very well. And the, the ultimate result is that you've got to utilize the quick passing game instead of the run game to be able to gain five yards, six yards. And, and that, was, that was kind of the answer. And that puts us into that, that shootout mode. And whenever you're into the shootout mode, you know, you're, you're continually trying to play catch up and, and that, that was kind of the mindset within the second half. You know, we, we have to score. We have to score quick. We got to make a stop. We got to score. And and it didn't happen very well for us in the second half as well. Yeah, it's like that's the football version of the full court press. You're just you're just trying to get more possessions, hoping that you can score on probably about half of them. I do want to talk about the Spartans because they did play really really well, and I was really impressed with their two quarterbacks. They alternated a different quarterback every series and it really was no drop off between either one of them. And I find that very unusual because typically one quarterback is better at one thing than another. 
but I didn't see that with the, these guys. Is that what you'd saw on film coming into the game? Yeah, we knew that they were both very talented guys. You know, one's a junior, one's a senior. I mean, one's a sophomore, excuse me. And uh, and they both throw it well. You know, I think that you know maybe one runs a little bit better than the other, but they both throw the ball well, and they both threw the, threw the ball well on Friday. And anytime that you have a two quarterback situ- situation, it's it is difficult to manage and. You know, obviously their staff has done a good job of managing that. And the kids have embraced that without question. You know, I think that that's the biggest thing that the kid has to understand, you know, their role, even though you want it to be competitive, you know, between kids all the time so that they are competing to be on the field. In that quarterback situation, there has to be that competitiveness, but there has to be also that understanding that that guy that's going on the field has to have your support. And they have to play, you know, as a team member at all times. And we see it in the college level, you know, a lot. It, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, Clemson is a situation where, you know, the coach decided that it wasn't going to be a two quarterback situation. And, you know, a guy gets disgruntled about that. And, and we often see that in high school level too, you know, because oftentimes our society is a microwave society and we want things fast, we want things instantly. We want quick gratification, and, and if we don't get that, and then there, we, we often look and turn to other sources and, and look to go somewhere else. But that doesn't seem to be the case between those guys, and they both played extremely hard and well. Team first. If you want to be a successful team, it's got to be the team before me, and that's the only way it's going to happen. Well, when we get back from the break, we're going to hear from senior running back Rhett Saylor. OPS, Optimum Performance Sports, is the official sports medicine provider of Carroll High School. From diagnosing, repairing, and rehabbing injuries to pushing yourself to the limit on the playing field by utilizing cutting-edge training programs, Optimum Performance Sports is proud to be a partner with Charger Athletics and the Carroll community. For more information, visit www.optimumperformancesports.com. OPS, Rethink Your Limits. Our special player interview this week is senior running back Rhett Saylor. Uh, Rhett Saylor was in the program as a freshman, and then his sophomore and junior years, he decided to play rugby, and now he's back into the program. So, Rhett, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. So, tell us about your decision to go to rugby and to leave the football program. What drew you to rugby? So, to be honest, when I left football, I just felt like it wasn't for me. And I wasn't planning on playing anything, but some of my friends told me about rugby. It was similar to football with the contact and everything. So, I tried it out and I really enjoyed it. For, for a lot of our listeners, uh, we know football, but we don't know rugby very well. So, what, what do some of the, the two sports have in common? And then tell us... What's what's so different about rugby? Because I watched it on TV and it looks very violent. Yeah, with rugby, the play really never stops. Like if someone gets tackled, you there's this thing called a ruck where you'll place the ball and then you'll push the other team off whoever got tackled and then the play will just keep going. But like with the tackling and everything, everything is still the same. You can't hit with your head. You have to stay low. Can't have any like illegal hits and stuff. So I understand our rugby club has had some success. Um, did you guys win a state championship recently? This past year in fall seven, we lost in the state championship to Penn. And then uh, in 15s, we lost in the semi-state to um, Fishers. So you've had some success as a rugby player. Yeah, it's very fun. 
So what brought you back to football for your senior year? Okay, so Colin Meeks, our outside linebacker, he's one of my good buddies, and he talked to me and said that they'd all really like if I came back out. So I gave it a try, and I have no regrets. I've had a very good time this year getting to play with my buddies again, and it's a lot of fun. Were you expecting to get this much playing time as a starter? I came into it, and the coach told me before the first game that me and uh, Evan Harris were going to be splitting time, but it turned out that I had some success, so they just kept me in, and it was a little surprising, yeah. So let's talk about your success. Uh, In the first game in the Mud Bowl against Lures, you carried the ball 12 times for 27 yards, but... You know, that that was just a weird game. It was kind of hard to run. It was kind of hard to throw. And I thought your 27 yards was really pretty solid. Against Snyder, you had a breakout game, your first 100-yard game, when you had 23 carries for 102 yards, but you scored three touchdowns. And then the following week against Northside, 17 carries for 148 yards and two more touchdowns. And then the games since then – We've been behind, and so we have to abandon the run. So your your number of carries and your yards have dipped, with the exception of Bishop Dwinger. It was a great game, uh, 23 carries for 79 really tough yards. That was a hard-hitting game. So it seems like we need to give you the ball more and get more yards, and we can win more games. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, a lot of times in these recent games, ever since Northside, we've come out flat, which puts us behind, and we have to throw the ball which is obviously not good because the defense knows what's coming. So in my view, we just need to come out ready to go, be physical, and have a balanced attack so we can keep that going the whole game. Some teams will script the first series. Uh, Do we do that? We do. We usually have around 10 plays start the game, and we go by that. But if something doesn't look good, Gavin will check it or we'll change the play. But, yeah, we usually have around 10 plays scripted. So not only have you had 94 rushes for 430 yards, which comes out to a four-and-a-half-yard average, you've also done very well catching the ball. You've got 21 receptions for 229 yards and two more touchdowns. Tell us about the transition from, you know, you get the handoff and and you're off and running, but it's different as a receiver. So how do you make that transition from, I'm going to be the runner on this play, but on this next play, i got a great chance of being a receiver? Yeah, uh, my freshman year, I was a receiver, and that year as a freshman receiver really helped me out with this year catching the ball because I knew the routes coming in. I knew the route tree. They're obviously a little different as a running back, but Coach Miguel, running back coach, always tells the running backs that we usually will catch the ball in one in 20 pass plays. Prides us on catching it that one in 20 tries, so we just do the best we can and get the yards we need. Well, I think you've been pretty successful at that. I think we have a very good passing game, and we're deep at receivers. Childers, Hera, and Mitchell can all catch it. And then you add in Eddie Bransfield, the tight end, and you coming out of the backfield. Uh, that's a, a neat little wrinkle where once or twice a game we can get uh, an extra set of yards. Now, speaking of catching balls out of the backfield, there was a new wrinkle against Homestead, and we did this in the second quarter when we weren't quite in the T formation, but we were in our short yardage run where you're in the backfield along with Terrell Griffin as your lead blocker. And instead of handing you off the ball and following Terrell, Terrell went out into the flat and caught the ball and gained eight yards. 
Did you have a big, fat smile on your face when you saw Terrell catch that and ramble down for that first down? Oh, yeah. In practice, whenever there's a chance to get a scout team kick return or scout running back or anything like at all, he, he's all over it. He wants the ball in his hands. He loves it. And so him catching that ball really just made me happy for him because we all know how bad he won. Yeah, I can remember um... – I think it was against Southside. He had a fumble recovery, and he almost scored on that. And then I believe we put him in the T formation and handed him the ball two more times to see if he could get in. And they stopped him every time, so Gavin got the glory on that touchdown, but it was really Terrell. So was he a little upset about that? Yeah. he. Uh, <laughs> that's a funny story. He actually talked to me about uh, a couple of those plays, and he said that there was always one linebacker right there coming in and he really wanted the touchdown. And then of course, Gavin gets it. He gets a lot of it, but we love him, you know? So now that you're back in the football program and, and you had your freshman year. And then of course you, you, you stepped out to play rugby, which was probably an awesome experience. And now you're back into the program. Who is your favorite coach? Because it's been pretty much the same coaches in those entire four years you've been in high school. Yeah. My favorite coach is probably coach Poppy. Just because freshman year, uh, I had a really good time with him coaching me. And he just, I, I don't know, I just have a lot in common. Our minds think alike on offense. Like, I'll offer him something, like, on this pass play. If he just wants me to go out as a little check down for Gavin just in case there's a blitz, we, we talk about that and we go over it. Like, the first game against Bishop Lures, I remember a boot pass. I was supposed to be blocking, but there, there was no blockers for me, so I just rolled out into the flat and Gavin hit me, and it was that long 60-yard touchdown we had. And yeah, we just we talk about stuff like that. That shows good football intelligence too. Basically, you can't. It's not. It's not a chance there for you to do your real job. So you went out and found an empty spot. And Gavin is very good about finding open receivers, and he hits you. And went for a touchdown. That's pretty awesome. Well, your senior year is is winding down, and uh, you know within a couple of months, football season will be over. So what are you going to miss about football season once it's all done and finished? I'm just going to miss hanging out with my buddies in the locker room and getting to go out there and play with those group of guys. Like I've developed great friendships with everyone on the team. And just to think that I could only have a few more games with them really just makes me a little upset. But it also drives me to play even harder and work even harder for them to keep going and make a run in the playoffs. Now, I know our football team works a lot on leadership skills. Uh, we, we care about the wins and the losses, obviously, and the X's and O's. But more importantly, we want to take you know teenagers and turn them into young men who are going to be successful members of our society. So what have you picked up from the leadership uh, instruction that you get from the football staff? When is one takeaway that you're going to be able to hang with you for the next 10 years? One takeaway that I could take with me for 10 years is determination. Like, even when times are hard and adversity in practice when we're conditioning or in the games when we're down, it's that determination and being able to come back from that adversity and keep going. And even when times are hard, just get through it all and keep working. Rhett, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I This is the first time you and I have really been able to talk at length. And I've been pleased to watch you play so well, and your teammates are so happy to have you back. And I know you're serving the program well. And so let's run really hard the rest of the season. Why don't rack up some more 100-yard games? Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Mr. Dietrich. OPS, Optimum Performance Sports, is the official sports medicine provider of Carroll High School. 
from diagnosing, repairing, and rehabbing injuries to pushing yourself to the limit on the playing field by utilizing cutting-edge training programs. Optimum Performance Sports is proud to be a partner with Charger Athletics and the Carroll community. For more information, visit www.optimumperformancesports.com. OPS, rethink your limits. Welcome back, everybody. In week eight, the Concordia Cadets are going to visit Carroll High School in our last home game of the season, and this is also going to be our senior night. Cadets have been a program on the rise. They're two years removed from a state championship, and last year when we played them at Zollner Stadium, it was a very tight game that we pulled away, pulled away late. So we're expecting another good game from the Cadets. So, Coach, can you – can you kind of give us a, an insight into what to expect from the cadets when they show up Friday night? Well, first of all, Concordia is a, a very good football team. Even though their record is two and five, you know, they've got close games. They've got close games versus Homestead. And, you know, these are losses, I should say, you know, close losses, a loss versus Homestead, a close loss versus Lures that went into overtime. Um, they played Wayne just this last, that's last Friday night and, you know, and they only lost by a touchdown to Wayne as well. But they had uh, a uh, 20 to 14 lead in the third quarter. And Wayne recovered a onside kick that went back for a touchdown. Um, Concordia had uh, the ball in the fourth quarter on about the the uh, 10 yard line, and the quarterback got got sacked. It was a kind of a strip sack, and the ball got picked up and run back for a touchdown. Later on in the game, Concordia had the ball on the three-yard line going in, you know, with a tying drive, so to speak, and they fumbled the ball on the three-yard line, and that pretty much sealed the the victory for for Wayne. the The point being, they're they're a good football team. You know, they play hard. You know, they've got good receivers. Uh, their their quarterbacks are playing extremely well. Kamari Anderson Drew is a is a tall, fast, go to receiver. Defensively, they, they play a four two five, four four, as well as in passing situations, a three four defense. They they don't blitz a ton, you know, but their their coverage is sound. Their their linebackers are well coached. They've got two defensive tackles that are that are big players and you know, good running football teams such as you know, Dwanger and, and Lures, you know, struggle to run the ball effectively against them. And so, you know, as you watch them on film, you know, it becomes very apparent that they're well coached, that they play together very well, that they have a tenacity to play the game to a high level. And they're in every game that they're playing in. And so for us to be successful, you know, we've, we've got to rise to another level. We've got to have that passion. We've got to have that desire. We've got to have that will that's going to put you know put us ahead and let us give us an opportunity to prevail. Final home game is always senior night, and it's it's a very emotional night for the kids and their parents, and I would I would expect for the coaches staff. So, from your view, what does senior night mean to you and the program? You know, being the last home game. You know, senior senior night to me is that opportunity to to recognize those guys that you know that have given to the program, and and most of the time, you know, these guys are are guys that have been multiple year player guys. You know, very rarely, you know, do we have a guy step in and only play his senior year. Rarely, 
you know, most of the guys are four year guys, you know, and it's, you know, it's a bittersweet night, you know, it's, it's a great night to be able to, you know, celebrate, to be able to share that time with, with parents, you know, before the game to be able to, you know, and embrace those, those players and, and the underclassmen be able to let them know their appreciate for the appreciation for them, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not the end of the season. And then there's more opportunity for us to, to play with them. And there's more opportunity for us to be able to, you know, prepare as we, as we move on throughout the season and prepare for the tournament as well. And so, as I said, you know, it's, it's our last home game, but it's, it's week eight, you know, and as much as we enjoy and embrace the senior night, you know, we embrace the opportunity that it isn't their last time. It isn't their last game and it isn't their, it isn't their last show. So coming into week eight, on week seven, we didn't play very well against Homestead. Uh, that's the kind of the first time our, our, our offense was really pretty well controlled by the defense. We, we struggled. Our, our own defense has been a little bend but not break throughout the season. So, you know, they, they gave up a, a little bit extra points than you, you would have expected in the first half. But typically our offense would have scored a couple of touchdowns. So the 24 points that was given up in the first half wouldn't have felt so bad. So we're coming off a big loss and we're heading into a new opponent. So what are some things that you're going to kind of focus on this week in practice? Well, regardless, Andy, honestly – you know, if it's a win or a loss, there's there's always self-reflection and self-evaluation that we go through. Losses often magnify, you know, that self-reflection. You know, as we talk with a with our staff, as we as we talk with the players, you evaluate everything. And probably the the thing that you that you evaluate the least and the last, not saying that it's not worthy of, is probably scheme. Because you evaluate culture, you evaluate personnel, you evaluate effort, you evaluate relationships, you evaluate the preparation in terms of putting kids, the program, all, all aspects of preparation. You, know, you evaluate each part and you do evaluate scheme. You do evaluate you know, what gives you the best opportunity on the both sides of the ball. But again, it is it is that self-reflection after a win or a loss that that really puts you into the mindset of, you know, everything has to be aligned. And that's players, that's coaches, that's philosophy, that's culture. That alignment is is necessitated if you're going to move forward in a positive direction. And that and that's the, the message. And that's what we we ask our kids after Friday night is to continue that fight, to continue that alignment, to continue that relationship, that it can, there can be no divisiveness between whether it be players, an offensive side, defensive side, that we have to move forward, you know, with one mindset, and, and that is to be playing our best football when it comes to, you know, tournament time. And that cliche has been used over and over and over, but it becomes so true and so apparent at this point that we continually need to improve and we continually need to foster that relationship between each other. And, and the reason that I bring up the relationship is that, that if I have that feeling of unity, I have that feeling of one, I have that feeling of care and concern for my teammate, then I'm going to work as hard as I can to not allow to, to let that person down. 
And I'm going to bring that person along with me and not allow that person to make mistakes, you know, outside of the classroom, inside the classroom, on the field that jeopardize our opportunity to be successful as a program. And that's, and that's where we're at, you know, and that's, that's what a lot of the weekend was, you know, a lot was, you know, obviously the, the, the routine of the game planning and putting the packets together for the players so that they understand their opponent and watching a film for, for all of the games of Concordia that, that, you know, that they have played throughout the whole year, you know, but again, it is, it's more of, you know, what can we do? How do we improve the culture? How do we change things to, to give us a positive spin as we move forward? Yeah, we've said this on previous shows. You know, once Monday comes along, it's time for the new opponent. And it's often more important not to worry about the opponent because the opponent's trying to do what every football team's trying to do. They're trying to exploit one-on-one matchups. They're trying to, to trick you with counter-running plays. And they're going to try to blitz you and try to you know, they're going to try to block and tackle and catch the ball. So the main thing is, is you worry about what you do. And then the opponent will just be the obstacle that you've already faced in practice. It shouldn't be a big deal. But as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do, success should not be that far away. And I know that's what you, you focus on every week. And the best thing about football is, you know, you may win or lose on Friday, but on Monday you got to refocus and get ready for the next one. Well, coach, Another great conversation with you. Have a great week of practice, and let's get those cadets on senior night. Thanks very much, Andy. Appreciate the time. We would like to thank our athletic trainers, Steve Lubihusen, Michaela Hoffman, and Jordan Redding, who, along with OPS and the doctors of Fort Wayne Orthopedics, provide all the sports medicine services for Northwest Allen County Schools. Go where the Chargers go. 